People, get ready to explore in a way you never have before with the Defender 110. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design, a reimagined exterior, a robust interior, a superior off-road capability. The Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. It has powerful innovations like intuitive driver display. Whether you're headed to uncharted territory or just a weekend of exploration, the Defender 110 is up to the challenge. Push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further. The Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Hey, look, I'm sure you take a lot of vitamins. Maybe you take a daily multivitamin. Maybe you take ones to boost your immunity or ones to help with alertness. What about your cells? Are you giving your cells the full nutrition they need, especially as we age? I am, thanks to Solgar. Solgar is part of my daily routine, thanks to their cellular nutrition line. Give yourself a daily collection of nutrients designed to help fight cellular decline and promote cell health. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more and use promo code MarkMarin, all one word, to get 20% off. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. It goes on. Welcome to it. How is everybody? Is everybody okay? Today, Rami Youssef is on the show. Uh, he's a, a comic and actor uh, who kind of surprised everyone uh, when he won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Television Series for his show Rami back in 2019. The show and Rami himself have since been nominated for Emmys in season three, premiered earlier this year. He's in the new it's on Hulu. He's also in the new Yorgos Lanthimos movie, which looks uh, Yorgos Lanthimosy. Uh, I, I can't. I don't know what to make of it, but uh, that's that's how I enter all his films. And good for Rami for getting that. But the amazing thing is that you know sometimes I don't know the work of the people coming on, but I know that I should know it, and I know that they would be an interesting interview. And it was the same with Rami. So before I interviewed him, you know, I watched his comedy specials uh, and I watched all the seasons of his show. And it's just one of these things where it's not that I'm out of the loop. You know, I'm busy. I'm busy baking and cleaning shelves and uh, and doing uh, little odd jobs around the house. I, You know, I have a full day of bullshit tasks that never end. So it's very hard for me to stay in the loop with culture and media. Like, I do know that President Trump was uh, indicted again, and that's exciting. But, you know, it's just all tempered by the fact that he's trying to, you know, race the clock now. And I believe that if he, you know, if he is elected again, uh, he will never leave for sure. And that will be the big shift. It's already happening. But nonetheless, let's talk about Rami Youssef. It's just one of these shows into a world, into a life, into a way of life, into an American life that uh, I I really knew nothing about. And it turns out like it's that is more so than not. Look, I, you know, I'm a tolerant person. I'm an accepting person. You know, I'm a sort of like, you know, live the life that you've put together for yourself uh, in this country that used to really enable that in a, in a, a more kind of a proactive way. Um, but I knew nothing about 
American Muslims, uh, immigrant people. I didn't know much about the Muslim religion. I didn't know how first generation uh, Americans who come from religious Muslim families from elsewhere uh, uh, organized their life, organized their community, had you know the friendships they have within that religious community and just within that community itself. And this is a kid who grew up in New Jersey. But, you know, the window in for me was as, you know, provocative and funny and uh, and beautiful as, you know, me first experiencing reservation dogs. It's like I how look, I know we walk alongside of all these people in our country and we see them at work or, or, you know, passing by on the street. I live in an Armenian neighborhood. I know very little. So I guess I think what I'm saying is I would enjoy a series about an Armenian family so I could better understand my neighbors. I, I imagine there's other ways to do it. Um, you know, maybe I could uh, be friends with people from the neighborhood and, and enjoy that. I mean, I'll, I'll have a nice kebab occasionally, but uh, I don't know how everything's organized. I know that they're, they, they seem to uh, enjoy white automobiles, and I don't think that's racist. Um, it seems to be true. Uh, and I can tell the style of their yards and their houses, but I don't know how they live. But this, this show, Rami, was just mind-blowing. You know, the, the struggles he goes through as, as an American and as a guy that's not sure where he stands with his faith and, and as a guy who is, you know, kind of like straddling two cultures, it was uh, educational and funny and emotional, the struggles that I don't know. But man, I mean, I just... Um, was blown away by the whole thing and know a lot more. I, I'm happy to have the knowledge. I'm happy to be able to have a type of empathy now uh, for uh, a religious group, a religious community, an uh, immigrant group that is more informed than it was previous. So there. So that's what I'm saying. Also, folks, I'm ready to answer more of your burning questions. We've got another Ask Mark Anything episode coming up for full Marin subscribers, but you don't have to be subscribed to ask a question. Just go to the episode description in whatever app you're using right now and click on the question link. I'll answer them on next week's bonus episode. All right? That's going to happen. It's going to happen. So I'm really starting to question my choices around my time. I, I think everything's all right. Look, man, if you clean out an office or you clean out a room or you you make your stacks into piles or you make your piles into shelved items, uh, at least you can look at it and go, look what I did. You know, I feel that when I do laundry. I'm like, I'm so proud of myself. Uh, look, I made my bed again. Hey, look, my shoes are all in a line. I mean, this stuff is satisfying, but I don't know if it's a life, is it? I can't consider food shopping a hobby, can I? I did just make a vat of vegetarian chili for uh, a uh, party I'm going to. That was a, a good a good few hours yesterday. I got it from that Angelica Kitchen cookbook that somebody sent me, and it's it's amazing. I made a vegan cornbread, and I love doing it. But man, that that chili was labor intensive, and there's a lot of it. So now I have now I'm in that situation where I used to go to these parties and bring like a smoked brisket, which took like ten and a half to eleven hours. This only took like two or three all in. But the issue, like, with brisket, if it turns out good, people are just going to eat the fuck out of that shit. But, like, if I'm bringing this vat of chili, and if it doesn't, if it doesn't go, like, uh, I'm bringing it home. That's the way that's going to go. 
I'm bringing it home. I'm going to freeze some of it. I'm going to, you know, I too much work into it. The cornbread, that, that was easy. That's disposable. But the chili, that was, you know, that, that was a day. I'll let you know how that goes. But in terms of my life, like, I, you know, look, I'm working. I'm doing what I do. I'm a comedian, and I'm doing new material, and I'm having a good time of it. But, you know, I spend my life doing it. I've always spent my life doing it. And you start to ask yourself when you're immersed in a job, even if you like it, it's sort of like, is this a compulsive behavior? Or do you just not know what else to do? Or do you love it? Do you feel like you have to do it? Like, these are questions. These are questions. Though I am enjoying the new jokes. But I always find that, like, I try to talk about things because there's very few things I haven't talked about. And uh, at Largo, there was some personal excavation going on that's yielding something. But I don't know why I feel it's important to share some of that stuff uh, and to find it funny. I, I don't know. It doesn't. There's got to be a bottom to the pit of me, I would think. At some point, but uh, I do leave a little kind of like, wow, like that was, was that necessary to talk about that? And is that my job? Is that entertaining? I don't know. It doesn't matter, you guys. Look, I got a vat of chili in the house. I got a vat of chili and I've got to go. I did it. I made it a day early so the flavors would take and now I'm going to go heat it up and make sure it's salted properly. And, you know, this is, this is my work. This is my work for today. You know, finishing up the chili, a two-day process. Yeah. But anyways, I do have some gigs coming up. I believe if you go to wtfpod.com slash tour, I think I'm doing another Dynasty typewriter show here in Los Angeles on um, June 24th, I think. Go check. I think July 1st at Largo for a music show. And I guess I got to get some dates up. I've got some club dates coming up to start doing the work. I mean... I guess it's what I do. It's what I live. It's how I live. It's who I am. It is how I've chosen to uh, be me in the world and to put me out in it. Right? It's okay. It's all right. Um, so Rami Youssef, uh, this is the first time we've met. And, uh, you know, I entered as a, a new fan and a, a pretty big fan. You can watch all three seasons of Rami on Hulu. He's also the co-creator of Mo on Netflix. That Mo Amir guy, I should talk to him probably at some point. I don't know why that hasn't happened. But uh, also his comedy specials, Rami. And uh, yeah, so this is me um, hanging out with Rami Youssef. I lived in Queens for years, and I didn't know what was going on in Queens, but I knew it had. So you you hung out with Egyptians? If yeah, you were in totally. Queens. I was yeah, around yeah. the corner from the Egyptians on yeah. Steinway. Yeah, like at the end of Steinway. That's that was, where we lived there. Like my whole childhood was there, and then when like my early childhood, and then when I was like seven or eight, we went to Jersey. But yeah, that my grandparents were always there. My grandfather's still there, right off Steinway. Yeah, it's uh, there's um, it's weird with Queens though because like you get. Like that one, that part of Steinway, which is at the end of Steinway before the highway, mm -hmm. it's just all Egyptian. Yep. And then a couple blocks Greeks. down, Greeks, and yep. then there's Dominicans. It's like crazy. I know. The one thing that always struck me is like I'd be coming home from doing comedy at like 2.30 in the morning, and there were whole families shopping for Dude. vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 
Don't do, kids don't sweep? Is there any any rules applied to anything? No, that's Egypt though. Egypt's like you fix your car one in the morning, like no problem. Oil change, is that true? transmission. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's why? There's no limit. It's just whatever you need. Egypt is all about. It's like this level of hospitality. And like my dad was a hotel manager too, so it's like he in he, Egypt too. He 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 worked at a hotel in Egypt. Both my parents did, but then he was in the states, obviously. But it's it's very Egyptian to like just someone says they want something, and you're like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Like, there's no time limit. It's like if you have money, let's do it. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, you know America's so attractive to yeah. us because it's, it's it feels like the land of everything. Yeah, of let's do like, it. Like let's do it. Yeah, yeah. it's possible. You know? Yeah, is it though? Did, did that translate? Does that does your family still feel that way? Didn't pan out. No. <laughs> The deal <laughs> has fallen through. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It did not occur the way that they thought it would. No. <laughs> no. I, I watched like I've I watched a special and I've watched I think um I'm a couple episodes into the the new the newest season. Oh cool. So I've I've made it that far. Oh wow, thank you. Yeah, I watched it all. Because I, you know, I find that I find myself doing that because I don't watch things if I if I don't do that. Yeah. Because I I live the life that you live. I live the life of a comic anyways. Like most people, they work and they go home and they watch TV. Yeah. Like I've got, I don't watch fucking TV. I know. <laughs> I know. And I don't know what's on. Hey, so uh, I watched, you know, two and a half seasons or two, two seasons and change of yours. And I'm like, how long has this even been out there? I know. Who? <laughs> this seems like a very good show. It seems to mean something. Does everyone know about it? Someone should tell people about this show. That- well, yeah, it's so funny, man. Cause it's like every, it's, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff, but like I had the same experience with the reservation dogs, which oh, is great. I love yeah. it. And they, he put me on an episode this last season because I pestered him because I love the show so much. But I was like, does anyone know about these natives? Yeah. I mean, this is something that I know it's a comedy show, but we should learn about the natives. Why isn't anyone paying attention to this? I have it with everything, even even Underground Railroad, which we, you know we all. But I literally was like, do people really know the real deal? Yeah. About the slavery. <laughs> We're, it's like Mr. White Guy being I, educated no, by anything I watch. It's crazy. I think we need to brush up on the Underground Railroad for sure wow, as a society. Dude. Did I you mean, watch that thing? Dude, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's a yeah, fucking yeah. masterpiece. Yeah, it's really And well I talked done. to Jenkins and it was like, nobody nobody watched it. Nobody it's fucking hard. watched it. Yeah, it's it's really tough, dude. Is it? Yeah, I mean, because well, it's also like, I don't know if you felt this on your show, but it's like maybe your show... I don't know. I feel I feel really like I felt like I really heard about your show. I feel like it was like one of the few things that they were really putting marketing behind. My TV show? Yeah. Well, you were the only one. No. I, <laughs> I mean, were, <laughs> my show, because this is like when I watch your show, like I can like what I mentioned to my producer was like, this is the world that that Louis discovered. Yeah. That, you know, he found if if. If there's main contribution to creators or to us, to yeah. comics, to people that have artistic sensibilities and want to do something, is that he made a model for that. Yeah. Like, you know, th- to to take each episode as its own piece. Yeah. And to sort of, you know, take, a, you know, risks that may not make sense. Yeah. Uh, that are aesthetic or filmic or, or peculiar. Yeah. To sort of like leave a poetry to it. I think that he opened that space. Big time. And, you know, I can see it in your show more than I, any any of the other shows I've watched. Because Reservation Dogs is doing a different thing, but it's still a, si- a single camera thing. But mm-hmm. you, as a comic and, you know, a selfish, fucked up person, you know, <laughs> you're like, oh, I, I can just be me then if I, if I, 
But if I lean on the, the ethnicity <laughs> thing, I can fucking jerk off in every episode and tell God to go fuck himself. This is the the, the door is open. I never tell God to go fuck. It's it's, it's a stress. Okay. There's the oh, guilt. Stress. Right. It's, right, it's right. very I get tough. It. I get it. You're defying God. To, to make himself present in your life in a it's way that's about tangible. shame, Mark. Shame, absolutely. <laughs> it's about shame. What is it about uh, the shame, the compulsion? I have it. Yeah. Like, of course. I, you yeah. know, I don't even know what it is, but it's like I feel it constantly to yeah. the point where I think it's about how, how we're brought up, but I, maybe it's religious with you. I don't know. I think it's everything. I mean, but I also think that I, you know, it's funny even talking about, you know, this. I was talking about this with a, with a friend of mine. Who, 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 he's a line producer actually on, on, on our show. And he was just like, yeah, I feel this thing in you that, you know, you're, you're constantly like, like it, you have that thing where it's like never enough, you know, but, but in a weird way, I don't feel like you're doing it cause you need more. It's almost like you feel like your parents need more, you know, like, yeah. and, and it is that thing of, you know, what we were talking about, yeah. like the deal pay off to come to this country. And I, I feel like this constant, I think my whole life, this debt on my head, Hey, this better be worth it being here. Every a debt breath. to like uh, a debt to my taken. family, oh, a debt yeah, to yeah. a debt to you know because knowing there was this strain of you know we're in a place that at first a place that's just difficult to be in, and then I think you know we get into this in the first season, but I I, I do think growing up in Jersey and New York in the early O's, you know. Sp- Spending now like more adult time away and being like, oh, that was pretty fucked up. Like we, it was this weird thing for a kid. Like maybe as an adult, you have a better handle on it. But as a kid, you're kind of just growing up in constant confusion and fear. And and I think like, again, this, this feeling of, oh, I better make this worth it for my family. And so the shame was so baked in for me. So that, okay. So everything is just like, what are you doing with your time? What are you doing with your time? What are you doing with who you are? So the frequency of shame was there. You know, always just by expectation, mm-hmm. by immigrant expectation. Yeah. But then, like, you know, you chose to build on that shame. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, then there's the part of me that's like, well, fuck it. I yeah, mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm like, how am I going to feel better in a normal way? How there is you? no way. <laughs> <laughs> but, there, but, like, getting back to, like, whatever you were going to say about my show, my show was, you know, I fought for that show. But in retrospect, mm. You know, and I'm dealing with this now. I don't think I'm that interesting, and I don't. I don't think that my story is that uh, uh, relatable necessarily. I think people like the show, and I think it was as honest as I could be. Well, was, I was just going to say it was very honest. Yeah. I feel like that's that's my favorite thing about yeah. watching you. Like yeah. anytime I've seen you, like you yeah. know, and I've seen you over the years. Maybe we've actually only intersected at like two shows where we've talked, but like I'll always see you, and I'm. It's always one of those like, oh yeah, I got to hang in the room because like he's just he doesn't care about like dressing it up for people. I don't, I don't like know. it's like you're just saying it, and I think that that I grew up on Carlin, right? Yeah. So it's like I love that. Yeah. I love that. Just like straight up, this is what's on my mind, yeah. and 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 I, you know, my whole family remind. You know, you would get along with my family. They're, sure. They're like sarcastic, bitter, yeah. you know, like self-deprecating, yeah. you know, like oh, yeah. you're, you're very Arab in my mind. Yeah. So, so, okay. so like I see the, Good. I see the, uh, the link, you know? Well, I mean, I like, I don't know that I know how to dress it up. Like I'm like yeah. now, like I wish I had that skill. I think that's one of my, uh, I don't know if it's a shortcoming, but it's just what I did. a. am trying to, you know, after the special, I got on stage last night for the first time to really do, I was locked into a log set. Yeah. I went to the ice house. You know, I got an opener, I got a host, and I and I, I think I got maybe 35, but nice. I'm like, well, I got to do 50. Yeah. So w- let's go. And anytime I do that, th- it's almost inevitable that I'll drive home embarrassed. <laughs> 
I know, dude. Right. I know. And just sort of like, why did I even tell them that? What did I put people through? Yeah, all that. Yeah. I made them like, pay. But yeah. like I'm digging deep for like, you know, what don't they know? Like like there's some sort of uh expectation <laughs> for for like I hope he says some weird shit about himself <laughs> that, you know. Might possibly embarrass him because that's what I'm here for. And then you're driving home. You're like, I did nine minutes on cats. Yeah, well, I do. Well, that's that's the go-to if you have to. I don't have any. There's going to be nine minutes of cats no matter what I do. But it's it's so talking about you know your dick or who you're dating or you know. I was for some reason you know like last night I was like uh, I, I've decided to talk about the two threesomes I had in college. Oh yeah, where like and I it, I just think the funny part of it is like in a threesome. Someone's just going to end up watching their friend fuck for a while. <laughs> and that's, were you the watcher? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that yeah, sticks like, with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, hey, I'm, I guess I'm done, <laughs> I, but I'm in this, so go for it, you guys. I would imagine that it's why the memory stuck, because I think if you were doing, you don't, you wouldn't remember as much as witnessing. No, I, I, uh, no, I, I always, uh, you know, it took me a long time to get a handle on that. <laughs> On the, uh, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. Uh, do you want me to- <laughs> And it got processed last <laughs> night at the ice house. Yeah. I just think it's a funny idea that, <laughs> I, it's like right now, I'm just trying to see what's actually relatable to grownups. Like in that, that, when you say that, you immediately know who's done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. not like this common thing for my generation, really. Right. Maybe there, you, I don't know. I don't know. I never was involved in one and I don't know anyone who was. Mm-hmm. I Maybe I know like one or two people, but- Maybe it's it, the ones younger than us that are, I don't know who's doing it, but I heard it's a thing. I, I'm sure someone is, but mm. you know, or, or generations, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, if you watch Euphoria, you're like, whoa, these guys are doing that I crazy didn't, I didn't, stuff. Yeah, I didn't even feel correct. I felt like I was doing something illegal. I, by, yeah, I, by the way, was like, as someone who in my life has seen a significant amount of porn yeah. i was like whoa i don't know about this i yeah. can't do this yeah <laughs> yeah porn's a brain breaker it is not well that's something that i think you know we really tried to get into in the show where it's yeah, like it's all the there's the religious the religious guilt but also just like having porn that young you know when i look back at it i'm like oh that really really messed with my sense of understanding just the relationship intimacy it took, sex. intimacy it took up a lot of my attention it was you it's know a drug it, it's a it's a drug well yeah and it's not until this season it seems to the what the beginning of the third season the last yeah. season that you actually are you know your doctor friend is actually sort of like you're you you're a porn addict you're like a drug addict yeah yeah, yeah. But that, it doesn't come up for two seasons it and, and, and because and, you just want to you want to make sure all the porn heads relate like on <laughs> that guy and then drop the sickness frame on them, but you know, in the last, the last season. So. And look, and to be clear, I'm not trying to be. You know, it's funny because I, I there is that thing in me, and and maybe it is the Egyptian thing in me where I don't want to offend anyone. Actually, I yeah. don't want to. So I'm even like, look, I'm not. This is no disrespect to the sex worker industry. This is no disrespect to people sure. who do that because it's not. It's not about critiquing. You know, it's it's truly about saying. I know this was true for me. Well, this that. warped a lot of, you know, of a, of a worldview in a way that I know it's also affected a lot of people that I know. Yeah, but I, I, I think that you can push back on the idea, like, you know, fine, you know, sex workers, you, you know, uh, do what they have to do and, you know, it's, it's their business. But there is a framing out there that is brought up in defense of sex work that says, like, porn is not addictive, which I can, is categorically not true. It's not true. <laughs> I know, so, it's just not true. But, I, they, but the reason they push, they, they, they say that is because there's a fine line between saying porn is addictive and moralizing. 
Yeah. There's a fine line between saying it's it's addictive and it's or it's wrong. Yes. So, you know, they that that industry wants to avoid that framing. Yeah. So, you know, they're so I guess they, so they have self-respect. I don't know. So the industry isn't ashamed. I don't know. Well, I think everyone is, you know, I obviously grew up with with a very, you know, religious framing, but I think I can I continue to have religious framing, but it but it's shifted for me where I I, I kind of felt like I had an, a kind of an opening where I was like, oh, I spent a lot of my life thinking about hell, but I never really thought about the idea of heaven. Yeah. I never really thought about like I, th- I thought a lot about punishment, and I don't think a lot about mercy huh. and what does it look like to actually just have a merciful view. So you know, for me to say porn is addicting, and I understand that that could hurt some people. Like sure. I actually don't want. Uh, sex workers to be upset. You right. know, I don't want them to That's feel that. That's what you're afraid of I, alienating. Not, I genuinely, not the entire Muslim world. <laughs> but, you know, in the end... Well, look, I don't want Muslims to be upset either. I, yeah. I constantly don't want anyone to be. But then it's also like, and, you know, there is this part of me that pushes, you know, myself to be like, cool, but, you know, can I, is there an offering that I could have, you know? And, and there are enough people who I've intersected with that that are like, hey, I know you get a lot of shit for this or, oh, hey, you know, whatever, but thanks for... Thanks for putting that out there. That that makes it all worth it. Oh yeah, know? of course. But but I also think this this idea that you you don't want to offend anybody, it, you know, in light of your sort of rudderless behavior, yeah. is a through line of the whole series and my that, life. Yeah. <laughs> right, and it's like it makes you like you know ultimately punchable. Yes. by the end of you know the second season. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, just like, what's this worm going to take a stand for anything? You know? But, you know, I really d- didn't want to also, yeah, like I, the part of me was driven to, to be like, I'm not going to like, you know, make this show where I'm just like the hero all the time, you know? So, so it, it, I, there was a part of me too that was like, no, I'm going to put out there stuff that has historically tortured me or stuff that has historically bothered me. Sure. And obviously we heighten a lot of it for the show, but you know, it, it, it feels like a more useful offering of, of something that I could do in, in something like a fucked up comedy. Well, yeah. And also like, there's just sort of that struggle with, you know, personal principles and sort of, you know, moral responsibility, you know, in light of, you know, your struggle with God, you have all this, this other stuff going on that you're, it's, it's compulsive behavior or it's impulsive behavior. It's totally self-serving. Yes. And then like, you know, when you sort of trying to kind of get away with it. (laughs) And then like when you finally marry somebody in this, well, look, the moment where the shake doesn't punch you <laughs> and you don't seem to really learn anything. <laughs> it's kind of a, sort of a rough t- cliffhanger, that one. And then, you know, you come back a year later looking like you lost some weight and you're, you're, a, little, you're a little more cynical and yeah. you've got an edge to you. You're a little more broken yeah. and fuck you-ish. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, nothing's ever going to work out. I blew it all. Let's make some money. I want you to do like our synopses. Like yeah. just, I want you to break, like, like just like the, the little paragraph yeah, under the thing. I can do that. I, you want the blurbs? If you could, if, you, if we could do a collab yeah. on the blurbs. This wormy Arab <laughs> who refuses to take responsibility for anything is at it again. That'd be a great, you know, season, yeah, Rami, you wormy so? Arab season four, just wormy Arab. Watch him worm out of everything. And not think anything's his fault. It's amazing. He's like a magician, even though it's against his religion. <laughs> Look, I like sadly I relate. I mean, I'm a comedian. You know, there are there are, like the last one, like Well, I mean, let's go back though. 
So you got you didn't you weren't in Queens long? Yeah, we were just just until I think yeah seven or eight. Then but, we went to Jersey. But your grandparents still there? Someone is. My grandpa's there, and my uncle's there. And they eat at those places. They go to those bakeries. We do all of it. Yeah, of course. That's great. We, yeah, yeah. I mean, now I live in Brooklyn too, and so that's just a regular regular stopover. Where uh, to your grandparents? Yeah. So, what part of Jersey? I grew up in Rutherford. It, it's uh, North right, Jersey. That's right. Where where my f- roots are from? No way. From where? Compton Lakes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's you know, a- like, was the milk barn there when you grew up? Yeah, yeah, ice- yeah, yeah, dude. That ice cream spot. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was there when my mother was a kid. My mother grew up in Pompton Lakes. Yeah, that was like we would go there. That was like a date spot when you got a car, right? In you know, because it's a little parking lot. Yeah, so it was like big parking lot. That was like fifteen minutes away. Yeah, uh, you just like get right on you know right on Route Three. My grandfather had a hardware store in Haskell. Oh, you know, yeah, up dude. in the hills there, like Butler, Haskell, by yes. Pumpkin Lex, where all the, uh, I can't call them hill people anymore, but I don't know what's going on up there. <laughs> but he had a hardware store there and an appliance store. Wow. So that's like my people are from where you grew up-ish. Dude. I was I was alive when they built Paramus Park. It was like the Paramus Park Mall. Yeah. Like it was a big deal. Because yeah. I remember <laughs> my grandmother, because I go visit him. I grew up yeah. in New Mexico, but they, you know, I, I was in Jersey. We were in Wayne too when I was Yeah, like oh, of course. Yeah. But I remember when they built the mall, my, my, it was like the first food court. Yeah, that, right? that was big. Yeah. And my grandmother's like, they have food from all over the world. <laughs> it's like Taco Bell. Yeah. And like, what was that, <laughs> a Euro place? It's the first time I had Greek food, and I was just amazed by it. At the it. mall? The best. Well, we grew up with the mall being built, which is now this big mall, the American Dream, they call it. But it was- Is Primus Park gone? No, Paramus is still there, but American Dream is like on, it's like on the way to New York on, on Route 3, and it's this, it was this big development that had been, was being built the whole time I was growing up. It yeah. took 25 years or something to build. Wow. Trump was an investor. He pulled out. Someone else invested. He pulled out. Uh, and it finally just got finished. Yeah. And it's, really? Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, I think it's the second biggest mall in America or something wow. like is that. Wow. Is Willowbrook gone? Willowbrook's there. Still there? Well, Willowbrook was cool because it was, I remember Willowbrook would be open on Sundays because there's a bunch of Bergen County stuff that yeah. there was like blue laws. Oh. So they don't open, they're, they're closed yeah, on yeah. Sundays. So yeah. if you needed something on Sunday, you go yeah. to Willowbrook. Oh, right. Oh, really? That was a bit, yeah. That yeah. was like classic old mall with the fountain. Yeah. Wait, they just chose Jersey because is it an Arabic community there? There is, it, there is, but we lived probably, you know, that was in Patterson. So we were like 20 minutes from there. So we'd go shop there, hang there, but Patterson. our town, our town wasn't, there, there weren't really Arabs in our town. Yeah. Patterson was big Arab, Arab uh, a lot of Egyptians and. Big. It's, I think it's number two in America behind, um, or maybe two or three. It's like, I think it's, it's, it's Dearborn, Michigan. And yeah. then I think it's Patterson. And really? Then, and then maybe right after Patterson is Queens. Um, but yeah. Th- those For Egyptians. Three. Yeah. And both your parents are Egyptian? Both. Yeah. So, and your uncle, is that a real guy? <laughs> He's an amalgamation of a few uncles. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. That's a, good, that's a good character. He's fun. But in the yeah. series, he's Palestinian. Yeah, so we kind of played it off of uh, our casting, of like our actors that we had. You know, the, yeah. the woman who who, um, who plays my mom in the show is Palestinian. So we In kinda, real life. In real life. So What's we her name? She's great in Succession, too. She's so good. Yeah, my best. Yeah, she's great. She's like an actor of our generation. I mean, we were so thrilled we got her you knew her growing up yeah yeah and and she's really i mean yeah she's been in some really great films especially in the arab world but also you know yeah she's a legend i mean i was so happy that we got her uh and the father where'd you get that guy huge egyptian film star yeah it feels like that he's yeah yeah yeah, like so were they just uh, excited as hell to do this or 
I think they got the script and they were just, what they were excited about was it was the kind of thing that was talking about what everyone talked about, but didn't air in the Middle East. And I think one of my favorite things about the show has been, you know, on a level you could think, okay, it's, it's kind of describing something to an American audience or whatever, Yeah, but it does really well in the Arab world. Even if some people are pissed about it, American Arab world or international Arab world, international. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it plays really like when I go to Saudi, people are stopping me, you know, and, and they're like, dude, I love your show. (laughs) Like, or, 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 Hey man, why'd you do that? Or, you know, what do they primarily have a problem with generally sex? But it's, you know, and, and that was always the thing for me too, which is like, the the interesting thing making the show is I knew if I was playing a drug dealer who, you know, shot people, it would be less sensitive right. than just jerking off to porn. And I always thought that was a really interesting thing that jerking off to porn would feel so uh, violent. But jerking off to porn <laughs> having sex with Jews. <laughs> like you, make, you go out of your way that you had sex with two Jews. <laughs> One. No, two. What was it two? Anna Conkle. Anna <laughs> She played a Jew, right? Yeah, that's right. And you then know my, you know my show better than me. <laughs> <laughs> You've watched it probably more recently than I have. Yeah, yeah. I work with her. I loved her. I love Anna Conkle. She's the best. She's re- yeah. She she really was was awesome. Yeah. It was a, well, that's a funny scene because yeah. that's what people assume that 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 idea that and I've always said it too, but I, I was ill informed really mm. uh, in that like you know there are Muslims that are just like Jews like non practicing Jews, and yeah. and I think there there's fewer of those. We're, you know, and I think this is kind of the um, the conversation of our generation, which uh-huh. is like, are we going to shift into just being cultural? Because we really hold on to it. You know, like I was just fasting Ramadan this past month and I was in Saudi and then I was in Chicago. Why'd you go to Saudi? My wife is from there. So, so her family's there. And so we went and we spent time with them. And then I had to go to Chicago and everyone. So, so like, but see, the thing is like, that's not casual, right? Because like. <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's a casual. You, like, you know, you're just like. <laughs> no, rewind me wherever. <laughs> well, I mean, just in that one scene, even when, you know, your cousin goes to your hotel room mm. in Egypt. Yeah. Like, I assume that that type of sort of uh, moral police yeah. is real or no? So the hotel room Egypt stuff is real for people who are Egyptian citizens. Yeah, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll look for that. It's really interesting. You though. can't have a woman in your room if you're not married. If you are Egyptian. So it's like, they'll, they'll be like, oh, this person's Egyptian. Like, let's see. Like, I want to see the marriage certificate. Two Americans no roll up. They're not going to say anything, which is, uh, you know, a hypocrisy. But is that, what what is that? Is that part of some sort of mild Sharia law or is it part of? Yeah, I would say like, you, you said it actually pretty correctly, like moral police. They actually yeah. will call it like moral police. Mm. At least in Saudi, they called it moral police. But interestingly, there's no more moral police in Saudi. Like Saudi now is a whole other world. The Wild West. I mean, they they'll like pay you to wear shorts at this oh, point. Like, well, that's you funny. Know what I mean? it's, a, it's a whole other world. <laughs> a, they're they're wearing dresses. They're, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. They can play music in their car now. Well, you know the um, b- between women driving, it, it, it's really fun being there now because it, it's it's a total different page turn, and it's funny to be there and have people in Saudi be like, dude, like. What's going on with the abortion situation in America? That sounds rough because you can get an abortion anywhere in Saudi. Yeah, like they, you know, like you, you don't want to be like public about it right. or whatever, but totally, like you go to a doctor and get that taken care of, it'll be way smoother than in any of these states. Well, I, where I it's imagine contested. that, like that, that places that you know, have that are sort of culturally insulated and and you know are you know in 
in and respect specific genetic lines, mm-hmm. I would I would think that they don't want those kind of mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> right. They don't want you know unwanted kids. They don't. You know what I mean? I don't know. Am I being... No, no. I mean it's an interesting thought. I I don't I don't even know if that's an I don't know if that's the basis upon which they do it. But I think there's actually well, it's not a progressive place. So I mean, they obviously there's something within you know, a, a loophole within their religious beliefs that are allowing it. But I think this is the debate that's happening, which is like, you know, what is progress? You know, like in in terms of saying something's progressive or not progressive, it also is like, well, what kind of quality of life and what values are sure. important to you, right? Yeah. And so if you kind of feel the level of like financial capitalist stress that happens in this society and what people are experiencing here versus, you know, if you hung out in Saudi for three weeks, I bet you you'd kind of be like, whoa, everyone's like a bit happier here. There's a different energy. Like people doesn't everyone have a billion dollars? <laughs> not everyone, but but there's certain basic things that are really taken care of. You know, Was even that if you're, uh, the but no, I mean okay. they're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I I mean I think everything you're saying is valid, but it's like you know if you're just like a a, a construction worker there, or even if you're someone who's like um, a maid at someone's yeah. house. You have healthcare. Right. You know, I mean, these are things that right. there are really, really core things that are just handled uh, on a real human level. And so I, I, that I've makes been all really, the difference, dude. It, no, genuinely. I mean, even when I go to Canada, I'm like, it's not up here. Whatever that American psychic capitalist cancer. There's something. It's not up there. It's not up there. It's a, it has to do with healthcare. Well, I think healthcare is a big piece of it. And also just like the way people look out for each other in a society. And so I, I, I definitely like recoil at progressive versus non-progressive because it's it's like, what's your barometer? Oh, you mean in terms of de- defining something as a in terms of saying that's progressive a, that's a, that's a regressive society. That's a closed off society. Well, what are the metrics? You know, right. what are you looking well, that's, at? Well, it's sad know? that I had to use that word in relation to my country. Yeah. That, that, you know, a progressive battle politically is trying to maintain the right of women to have control over their body. That's happening yeah. here. Yeah, that's happening here. And you're saying in Saudi, it's like, oh yeah, it's not a problem. No, it's right? not happening there. Yeah. You know, and, and obviously it's like, you know, then you say, okay, Saudi women couldn't drive up until four years ago, hundred percent, you know, but I think what you'll find when you speak with people there is they feel like, you know, every issue is cherry picked where they're kind of like, can we just of look course. at the whole, pi- can we look at the whole picture? Well, nobody knows how to do that here. Yeah. There's no whole picture. <laughs> There's no whole picture. Everything here is a Marvel movie. We're a good. Marvel movie or clickbait. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, truly, everything is just so, you know, it's so sensational and and it's, and it's so wiped out. So you're there and you're like, yeah, we know we have problems. We know we have stuff we're working out, but yeah. why are we viewed as barbarians, you know, cause that's the framing that we grew up with here, which is basically everyone over there. Oh, they tie up their women. They can't drive. They can't this, they can't that. And we're good. But when you like zoom out and you really look at, you know, a whole worldview and again, get into things like quality of life, yeah. get into how people right. are taken care right. of and where they are. And you know, that there is something really beautiful to spiritual unity, yeah. even if there's stuff that is oppressive or there's, you know, but that's any, any system is going to have its joys and its oppressions. And I think anyone who lives here is going to experience what the joys and the oppressions are. Here. Yeah. So I think that, you know, when you really start to have a real world view, it, none of it's convenient, none of it, you, you don't get to live anywhere and feel good just about being there, you know, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't, it's not going to cut it. But know? also the idea, the, the whole idea of perception is important and how, you know, yeah. what, you know, just what we get, what anybody gets on a day-to-day basis. How much do I know about anything? Yes. Do, you know what I mean? You're just kind of putting together bits and pieces of bullshit that, you know, you, you haven't done any homework. Yeah. You just kind of, it's, everything's clickbait or hearsay or, you know, a picture you saw 
or a news article you read. Yeah. You know, like, it's weird. I don't know if I ever saw the Saudis as barbaric. I just saw them as some sort of strange, insulated, you know, wealthy aristocracy that didn't abide by laws I understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. No, I, I, and I don't, I wasn't saying you did, but it's interesting. I'll feel it on stage. Like, I was doing, I was trying a new stand-up bit. Uh, I don't know, it was like last month. I was just, I think I was talking something about Netflix and yeah. like how many shows there are. And I was just kind of like riffing that, you know, they're, they're just going to at a certain point make a really compelling show about a pedophile because they'll just run out of stuff. Right. And like you'll, you'll root for the pedophile, you know, like that's where we've gotten to in sensationalism. Oh, yeah. And then so I'm kind of talking about this premise. I'm trying yeah. to figure it out. It's like, and I, and I just riff. I'm like, are there any pedophiles here? And people are laughing, you know? Right. And then probably like six minutes later in the set, I'm like, yeah, my wife is Saudi. Uh, and the level of silence to my wife is Saudi versus the laughter around like, are there any pedophiles here? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, the fact that I said the word Saudi was so triggering and I yeah. can just, and I feel it everywhere that I go. There's this level of like, whoa, you know, like, like that, What's going on? that's so weird. Yeah. You know, yeah. What is that? That's, that's dark. Like, yeah. You know, and, and, and I feel that everywhere and yeah, it's, it's, it's the unpacking of it and the zooming out of it. It, you, you realize yeah, how programmed we've been. Sure. So when do you start doing comedy in New Jersey? How does that uh, unfold? Mm, I was like, I, I started, the first thing I ever really saved up to buy was a, a video camera. I really liked making things. And oh. so I would make little videos. I have these like short films that I used to make and like I would shoot stuff and then you know, you go to your grandparents' house, you got to be there for like nine hours. Yeah. I had this little computer. It had a Windows Movie Maker on it. And I used to just sit and make things and not talk to anyone. For, right. You know, that was my way of just yeah. dealing with, oh, the family, everyone's loud. Like, let me just go in the room and edit. Yeah. So I really liked that. And so I started writing little shorts and stuff, especially when I got to high school. Then I started acting in them. And then we were really, you know, a buddy of mine um, who I still work with, uh, Jonathan Braylock, he had went to NYU and we were, and we, and he was like, Oh, there's these guys doing sketches. We've been making videos in high school. Let's do sketches. And he was looking like Derek comedy, like Donald Glover. Those guys yeah. were still just leaving NYU. Right. And, um, the Britannic guys, Nick Kocher and Brian Mack, you know, those guys were doing stuff and we, we were really inspired. So we started doing sketch comedy videos. Yeah. And then I remember I, I went, uh, to UCB Right when I got my permit, I think I was like 17, I yeah. would drive over there. And I saw Jenny Slate's one-woman show. Yeah. And she would do this thing where she would come out, do a character, and then she'd change and play a video she made. And she went back and forth. And I was just, I want to do that. Right. Like that, you know? Yeah. And, and I started doing that. Did and you tell and her? I, you know, it's so funny. I haven't gotten to tell her yet. Yeah. <laughs> <Did she laughs> like I haven't, life? I like haven't been in a room with her yet yeah. to be like, you made me be like, I want to do that. Yeah. You know? Um... But, but I had been really into that and, and, you know, the sketch world. And so that's how I kind of got into it. I must have been, I started doing sketch shows in New York when I was like 17 or 18. Sure. And then it slowly transitioned into stand-up, but I was way too afraid to do stand-up at first. It didn't, yeah. I didn't like the idea of just being on stage by but myself. So you were doing work in that UCB? Did People's you? Improv Theater. Okay. Um, and, and UCB, and sometimes we go to the Magnet, that kind of stuff. I don't yeah. know that place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, that all happened, you know, after me, I think. Yeah. Like, I remember when UCB got there and they were kind of housed in this old strip bar. <laughs> it was the first UCB yeah. theater. And I just remember being told that sometimes Orthodox guys would come thinking that the strip bar was still there. <laughs> <laughs> they always have weird locations. Yeah. I mean, the and one. Matt Walsh lived on in an apartment above it at mm. that time. But the big one over by the supermarket. That Under was, the Gristides. 
I had such, that was my dream. Yeah. I, I remember even getting like a, that management, man, that basement. I like, I remember getting a, a manager and, and he was like, yeah, film TV. And I was like, oh, do you think you could just like get me like a regular show at UCB? That's all I cared about. Without, I didn't even, without going through the without, classes. <laughs> well, I did the class. I got kicked out of one of the classes cause I, I was going to school at Rutgers in Newark and I was working at the Apple store and then I was going to classes at UCB. I was always late. Yeah. So I'd show up like 30 minutes late right. and they had some policy. It's like, if you go late three times, you get kicked out. So I got kicked out of two of the classes. So then I needed, uh, you know, I was trying to lean on really crunch three arts to, you know, push your me guy? through the door. Uh, Becky. Oh, Becky's your I guy? Met, I was. I met Becky when I was, when I was 19. Oh yeah. yeah. He used to be my guy. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and then kind of you end up like sort of like, is this working out? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we change, you know, like uh, yeah, yeah. it's hard to be with who you were with early, you know, it's just like because you yeah, change well, so feels, much. Yeah, well, it feels weird for both of you. Yeah. Because, well, you know, you're doing fine. But yeah, I was just sort of like, well, I guess I'll just uh, have him around, see what happens. <laughs> Becomes like a weird, bad marriage. <laughs> but we're okay now. Now we talk to him. So yeah. so that's how it starts. So you do stand-up. So you were never like uh, – Stand up wasn't your jam, really. When I moved to LA, I didn't have I didn't have any sketch going. You moved on. here, yeah. I moved here when I was twenty. Oh, so, so when I came over here, it was like I was doing sketch in New York probably for three years. Then when I came over here, I started getting into stand up and getting up. Yeah, where, dude? I would, I got up a lot at like Flappers. That was like my my first spot, and then I started going up at this at um, the Laugh Factory. I would only oh, do so like, that's legit. So you weren't doing alt rooms. I'll do all rooms. Yeah. yeah, definitely. The Silver Lake, the bars, all sure. that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But you would go up at uh, the factory, Laugh Factory. Yeah, Jamie was really nice to me. Jamie like put me up pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, he 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 I I got I I never even got in at the store. I only got up at the factory. Yeah, uh, yeah. I never there was that, went uh, through the system. Israeli the uh, Egyptian bonding you did with Jamie. On, we solved it one night. You did. Yeah, there was one night we kind of talked out the whole plan, and then Man. he was just kind of like, "Get up there." That sounds. <laughs> That sounds like the most exhausting evening of anyone. I don't think I've ever talked to Buddy, Jamie. buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's where I leave the conversation. I never worked there just because of that. Buddy. I'm like, I got to go. I don't know what. I don't know where those audiences come from. I don't, I don't know where the money comes from. By the way, like between the factory and, and Flappers, yeah. it was like, I felt like I was just doing a lot of time at the rooms that like, I didn't see the other comp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people would be at the store and doing other stuff. And I was just like, yeah. I got up there a lot. At a certain point, I started getting up at the improv a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I just go to the store because I just, I don't need, I have yeah. like weird uh, resentments and pet peeves about the other places that go way back that I refuse to let go of. <laughs> and, and it only matters to me. <laughs> no one else gives a fuck. No one else. And I'm like, I'm not working any improv. I'm not making them a fucking dime. They didn't help me. So that's not really. Not really, all it does. It's my thing. <laughs> no not, one remembers. Yeah, no, I'm not hurting. Uh, I'm not hurting their business at all. It's like, yeah, I'll show them. Fuck them. Not selling one drink for them. <laughs> I mean, you're very religious in that sense. You sure. know, you have your yeah. principles. You yeah. really stick to yeah. them. My principles <laughs> is, founded know. deeply on resentment <laughs> yep, over yep. a past uh, slights. Many would say yeah, that it lives in the realm of the unseen, yeah, and you course. just hold on yeah. to it. You it's know? mystical. You've it's got mystical. your cross on your chest that I no do. one sees. I do. Yeah, it's very <laughs> yeah and I'm going to stand by it. I'll occasionally do a charity show there. <laughs> that's the only thing that <laughs> that's transcends. It. That's yeah. it. Yeah, it's I'm for gonna, charity. It's for the dogs. It's for, <laughs> it's for the. It's for the kids. <laughs> but 
but what are you doing otherwise? What was the plan? Is you are you do you did some TV? You did a TV series? What did you do? The thing that moved me to LA was I I, I got booked onto this Nick at Night sitcom yeah. with Scott Bayo. and so I it like moved my. Are you what did it to him? <laughs> are you the one that pushed him over the edge? Is that you? Dude, it, it, tell me about the shut up you fucking Arab day. Did that happen? <laughs> There was the I look. He was honestly so kind to me. Like yeah. it was. It was he. I think it know, was before he snapped. No, I mean, look. He was def. I was. You know, we were working the day that Obama got reelected, and he just kind of walked in and looked at everybody, and he was like, "You guys happy? You happy? <laughs> You're gonna see where this country's going. Oh yeah. All right. All right. Let's shoot. And you know, and he didn't want to talk about it. He was genuinely, uh, you know, because he, you know, he's like, "You're all like yeah. fucking liberals and this yeah, and yeah, that." And, yeah. And I'm was, not going to say Jews because Rami's here, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> he was, he was, you know. But other than that, yeah. he was very kind to me. Yeah. I mean, he he professional. Yeah, very. I mean, he was really good at his job. And, yeah. You know, and it was a cool experience. Mark Curry was on that show. Oh, Mark Curry. So a thing that really launched me doing a lot of stand up was. You know, I told Curry on set, I was like, I want to do more stand up. I've yeah. been doing sketch, and he was like, Where do you go up? And I was like. Uh, I have a show, you know, Thursday at Flappers. And he goes, all right, uh, what time? And I tell him, and then I, literally that clockwork, it's like I'm about to go up on stage, and you just pull like a, it's like a movie, just this whiff of cigar smoke as, like, the door to Flappers yeah. opens, yeah. and Curry comes in in a long trench coat, and he oh, goes, really? let's see, you know? Yeah, really. And he sits in the back, and I go up, and I'm, like, trying premises out of, you know, Wow, was that and, back when he had a little juice, I guess, still? He Well, he had just gotten on this show. I mean, he was, it wasn't, like, his Cooper juice, but he was just, you know, he was out, and he was he doing, doing his thing, and, yeah, yeah. and he was so, he was, like, laughing hard at half what premises I had. He was like, come open for me. And so he started taking me on the road and, and that, you know, off of that show. And he was really kind to me because I would go, I would bomb. I mean, I didn't know, I didn't have time. I had, he's sort of a good role model because he's kind of a long form yes. you know, uh, guy and, you know, he maintains a tone. Yes. He's not going to go get him. Yes. You know, he's not a panderer. No, he, yeah. he does his thing. And right. so it was cool because I would, I would, you know, do these shows and, and, the first few, I, I definitely ate shit, and he would just laugh. He, you know, I'd come <laughs> back, and he'd be like, <laughs> you know, yeah, and then he'd give me a go. pat on the back, and he didn't care what I did because sure. he'd go out and he would just reformat the whole room. It didn't matter that I bombed. Like he yeah. was just, he got up, and now it's it's his show, and he totally takes over. That is the biggest trick to learn is that thing, where you know you take whatever time's necessary to reformat the room. He would, he did so well. Yeah, it's the best. There was this one show. It's, I, it's a real thing. It's it's really about being grounded. It's a talent, man. Like yeah. I, I, I had this one. I remember I ate it, and I felt guilty. I yeah. was just like, man, I'm fucking up your shows. Yeah. And he's like, you gotta eat it, you know, to like figure it out, yeah. kind of thing. And I remember this one show. I definitely didn't have a good set. And then he comes out, and he like. You know, he's just quiet a little. He's saying hey, and then he sees this woman uh, has this big purse yeah. on the table, and he goes, yeah. "This purse, this purse is so big, it needs a movie." Yeah, <laughs> and then he picks it up, and he goes, "The purse." Starring Octavia Butler, and he like puts it on his like thing, and he goes, "Mama, I'm leaving, yeah. and I'm taking the purse." And he does this like movie trailer about a purse. Yeah, and it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. I was wow. like, "This is so good," yeah. and the crowd is dying, and it's like I never even went up. And so we did like I think on the third city, I figured it out. Yeah. I because I, I, I also and the you thing I loved doing about the purse bit. I started. <laughs> 
I just stole his bits, and then after the yeah, show, yeah, he'd yeah. be like, "Why did you take my clothes?" It no, just worked, man. <laughs> just, dude, sorry, I just yeah. felt the bad. No, it was it was great being on the road because you have no friends, so it's like you go back to the hotel and you're like, "I can't do this shit again tomorrow. I can't do this at the next city." Yeah, and so I I think I went you know on the road with him. You I had mean bomb? Just fuck yeah, like just eat it and, yeah. then, and then I would come home at the hotel room and I would just sit up and write I, I, I probably left LA with like seven minutes and came back with like 25 that I really liked yeah and so he really helped me because by the end of those I found what I think would have taken me like years to find you know because and especially two black rooms sure they're not they're not, they're not waiting around. for your little like yeah. quip or yeah. whatever like they're yeah. like who are you you better and deliver who are you what are you talking about and <laughs> yeah. that really helped me like by the end of doing shows yeah. with Mark I felt like I knew you know what I was saying and who I was on stage which was really fun that's good to get a, a, a quick course in that he really yeah I feel very indebted to him yeah I haven't seen him around in a while there was a minute there where he was coming back around Trying to get something going, but then they just he went back into the shadows somewhere. I don't know. He he goes out with Cat a lot. Like him and Cat do these big shows. Yeah. They like just. I just interviewed Cat. Yeah. Yeah. Or does he? <laughs> yeah. He he really he will pull one over on me. I got the, the well behaved Cat. <laughs> the uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've read over ten thousand books. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. It was a really great interview. Oh, I, love I don't that. know if any of it is true, <laughs> but but it was great. It was like an amazing performance. I love that. Yeah, just sort of like him going against type. It was him doing his WTF interview. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, like on the level, <laughs> no anger. He's not going to raise his voice. <laughs> He's like complimenting you on your shirt. Totally. You know? being, no, yeah. like totally on my comedy. I'm like, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Just totally. <laughs> really, and I, like, I, I knew it was happening. He's like never seen. Yeah, yeah right. I knew it was happening. <laughs> I, maybe he has, but I mean, I, I just knew, I knew what was happening and there was nothing to do about it. There was nothing I could do about it. And I realized it was also very entertaining. So I just <laughs> let it go, you know? <laughs> Oh my God! What am I gonna I'm, do? I'm I, just happy to have him. I, the second I get in the car, I'm listening gotta, to that. <laughs> yeah. It's something. <laughs> so, but from there, you go. What, what brings you back to New York, though? I, I well, I was in LA for a while. I, I basically did. I, I you know did this show with with Scott and Mark, and then I was doing these road dates with Mark. The Nickelodeon, the show. Nickelodeon yeah. show, yeah. Then that ended. Doing the, doing the road with Curry. How are your parents dealing with all this shit? They're kind of, you know, I had just dropped out of college before I got the role. From Rutgers? Yeah. That's, my, that's where my dad went. Yeah. It, it's, you know, fucking Jersey. I thought it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Institution, right? Yeah, and sure. so my dad's like, why would you drop out of Rutgers? What are you doing? What were you studying at Rutgers? Political science and econ. Oh. And, um, but I was going, I was like doing, again, I was doing all this comedy stuff in the city. And then during my second year, I started taking acting classes in the city. So it was just, I, I never. Where at? Uh, William Esper studio. Oh yeah. Um, and so I didn't, you know, I was just never a good student. So I just left and then, so I come out here, I'm doing the show and my dad's just like, the show's going to end and you got to go back to school. You know, it was that kind yeah. of energy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even, like, it was just like, they, they were proud, but also. That you're on television? Like, but it didn't seem real. That's not a, th a job that someone does. Well, they didn't, it's not a job someone does, but they didn't, you know, real, like they didn't think it was dependable, you know, yeah. and then right. that show ended and then I spent a couple of years just doing stand up, and I think I, I did a Colbert set that made my parents feel like I had really 
broken into the industry, which is funny because five minute I had Colbert a set. five minute Colbert set versus series regular on yeah. like a show. Yeah. But there was something about they were like, oh, you know Stephen Colbert, right, like right. that's you're good. Yeah, you're like Colbert mm. likes you, you're good. You're like that. That's just wow. like it's such yeah, parent sure, talk because sure. it's something they know. Yeah. So right. it, it felt like uh, secure on sure. a level. So, yeah. but it took it took probably like yeah, that was like five years into since I'd left my house, five six years since I'd left my family's house. Yeah. Um, but you you want to take the acting seriously. Yeah, I mean, I, I was, you know, auditioning, doing all that, but it didn't, it was, I wasn't booking a lot of roles. I booked this, like, Mr. Robot arc, when yeah. I, that was exciting for me, but then, yeah, at that time, I was really on the road, uh, at first with Mark, then I was doing my own shows, but then I was opening for Gerard, and I was opening for Mo Ammer, yeah. and, um, and, and getting more time there and just building my hour, and then, um, and then it kind of, like, you know, my buddy Ari Kacher, um, who had written on Gerard's show, we were doing, you know, we would do shows together, whatever, and then we kind of started saying, okay, like, let's figure out a show. And, and, right. that, and that started in that downtime, you know. And Gerard is sort of, uh, he became sort of a mini mogul after, very quickly. Yeah. So you knew it was possible. Yes. And that, you know, the the crowd you were running with were doers. You know, you never got into this sort of like, just I'm going to be on the road for three years. Yeah, there was always sort of a bigger purpose. Yeah, and it, and it really felt like, you know, even from when I was leaving high school, we saw, we were, again, like really inspired by the Derek Comedy guys. Where we were just like, yo, these guys just make stuff. They put it on YouTube. They right. get views and they're opening doors. So that, when I came to LA, that was my whole thing. But did like, you do YouTube? We did, yeah. I mean, we weren't. We didn't ever, you know, it was funny, actually, like, there was one video we had that had, like, 10,000 views, and that yeah. was, like, heat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, at the time, it's like, whoa, you got yeah. 10,000 views, yeah, you know, like, man. you know, it felt like something when you're, when you're that yeah. age, you yeah. know? Sure. I mean, Becky off that, yeah. right? Off, yeah. like, off kind of nothing, yeah. but also, so, like, a twinkle of yeah. something. Becky, Becky, who knows nothing about anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> but then he's just like, yeah. hey, like. Seems right. Up? This I heard that, yeah. uh. <laughs> but I, I definitely came to LA with that. And then yeah. I think when I started hanging with Ari, uh, I was on the road with Gerard. Yeah, there was that mentality for sure of like, yo, let's make stuff. Yeah. That's what we can do. Yeah. And so um, then we kind of hooked up with with Ravi at A24. And, you know, they were really just starting their TV business. And, and so, yeah, it grew fast. You know, Yeah, from, and most funny place. guy. Yes. I've met him a couple of times. Yeah. He's a lot. He's, but he's... <laughs> he's, but he's <laughs> He's good. He's very funny on the show. I mean, yeah, and, and then, you know, we did the first season, and then I had written, like, a whole, you know, I'd been, from opening for Mo. I was like, dude, I really want to do a show about, you know, undocumented dude in Texas, like, yeah. you know, and so I put together this pitch. Uh, for a show then, for him. For him, yeah. yeah, and then we went and pitched that. That was, like, the first summer off of, like, I think Rami came out in, in May, and then we, like, June or July, we went to Netflix and pitched Mo's show. Of and what, 20, what, seven? May, oh, yeah, May 2019. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you pitched, so what, what will I learn from watching Mo's show? Dude, you're going to get that Texas flavor. The Texas-Palestinian flavor? The Texas-Palestinian flavor. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Is there, is there a lot of different type of religion in there or is it basically the same uh well look he's muslim right you know, but so. it's i would say the show is less religious yeah you know it's not we we you know yeah. it's, it's a different fish out of water show different tone it's palestinian different. out of water <laughs> palestinian in a different desert About, yeah, it's it's a different it's a whole and you know he's so funny he's so funny. It's, yeah, yeah. it's funny so yeah, yeah. We, we got that going um yeah kind of right on the so with with rami though that's not netflix no hulu yeah yeah yeah, so so we um yeah, it's cool to why that decision. 
at that time? They stepped up. They were just like, we'll make the show. Oh, okay. You know, I think it was, you know, we, it was a whole process to get Rami up and, you know, through the door because they were like, because I think, you know, we had A24 hadn't done a bunch of TV. Gerard yeah. had done the multicam, you know, and Ari, they had done a multicam thing and, and we were working on it together. But it was like, they, no one trusted us, you know. And then I think after the first season of, of Rami, they got excited. So we went to Netflix and Netflix were just like, yeah, we'll do it. You know, eight episodes. Like they just, it was the days they were doing that. They don't even do that anymore. For, for, on for Mo. Yeah, oh, they yeah, just, yeah. They just ordered it. You yeah, know? yeah. They didn't even read anything. It was just off of what we said in the room. That was because the era your show got so much attention. Yeah. They were like, we love this. We were, and we were like, I was like, cool. You know, Mo's really funny in our show. We want to do something with him that's totally different. Mm. Rami has this like smaller, you know, even like what you were alluding to earlier. It's like we have a short film esque quality to these episodes. We're kind of zoning in on stuff and we're like, we want to make something in Texas that's broader, you know, that feels a bit more like a sitcom, but it sure. has, you know, these bigger immigration themes. You know, Rami's kind of more personal and whatever. This is like a bigger thing. It's like literally undocumented people right. in Houston, but it's funny, yeah. you know, through Mo's lens. Right. And so, yeah, they were like, "Cool, we want to have a bigger comedy like that." Well, I I forgot the, to like Atlanta's the other show that yes, that Atlanta, Louis of course. yes cut the yes. path for hundred percent yeah hundred percent. No, I've I've like many times been like you know, dude, we like the erasure of it, it's been flat like like so insane that you can't even watch Louis when the influence of all of that is in you know a lot of shows that people really like today. Well, it's, yeah. It's, it's, well, and, I mean, it's, it's, it's very specific because not everyone can do it. Like, you know, even, you know, whatever I was doing, you know, certainly it was always a thing as a comic when I was coming up that you wanted a show built around you. Right. But to take it into your own hands. Uh, and then, I mean, the 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 two-edged sword of the Louis model was that, you know, he did it all on his own with money that, you know, he chose how to a lot. Yeah. So he produced it for cheap, which enabled him to keep doing it. Yeah. So- once that became established, it'd be sort of like, hey, you don't need money. Yeah. You know, so yep. that was the other thing. That, that was, was the yeah. other thing. That was the double other edged thing. sword. I know. That right? was the other thing. That there's only one Louis. I know. But they're not going to give anybody money now. Dude, it's so funny because I was like, I, I was at this uh, show and it was like this concert, this like free yeah. Javette thing or something. And I was sitting with my wife and we were in a row and it's empty and, and uh, it was just the two of us. Yeah. And so one of the ushers is like, Rami, dude wow, you bought the row, huh? Just for you and your wife? And I was like, <laughs> and he was like, you got the big bucks. I was like, no, like, like my doctor friends make more money. Like, you don't even under, no, everyone's like, oh, you have a TV? Th I'm like, that's no, no, hilarious. no, this is like Hulu. No, we yeah. don't, you know, that's not. That's so funny. The the, the weird kind of uh, success shame. Like, yeah. you know, like, I'm like, you, no, you don't, no, just don't, no one. Never. I don't have any money. You want to see a, my, my no, no, this is more about like people not buying free Tibet. Exactly. This anymore. is a sad thing. This is a, yeah. This is an yeah. issue for Tibet. But but the you know even the thing you're saying of like that dream of yeah being a comic and wanting a show around you it, it wasn't act, like I even in the, you know you've seen enough of our show to see like this was something I fought for in the first season where yeah. it was like three episodes I'm not even in and sure. then the more we do the show I'm less in it and then even getting to work on Mo like I have found out over the last four or five years I much prefer not being in it all the time or not even being in Dude, it. Like I really I'm, like the process of just like directing other actors and writing for them. It's like, I'm, I'm not sure I want to do anything anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next that's the next is that, where, is that where I'm headed? <laughs> you can only hope that you have peace of mind enough <laughs> or the desire to leave enough. Uh you know, I think it's a fantasy for me. But no, I, I could I would imagine that would be more satisfying than you know, sort of the repetition of acting and the process of doing that or building episodes around you to to sort of direct and shape things and, you know, uh have a 
a bigger job in a way that ha- engages your creativity on more levels. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. And I, I really like, again, you know, the first thing I ever did was edit. So I just like that. You yeah. know, it's really fun for me. So what was, like, you know, how did you feel? Like, I had a lot of guest stars on my show uh, of one kind or another. And I knew when I started my show that I would have to figure out how to act yeah. in, in a real way yeah. as me. Uh, and I knew that I would take a hit the first season and I just you know it was a very mature sort of realization I was just gonna say mature yeah yeah, I'm kind of gonna suck yeah probably no one will watch anyways but maybe I'll learn how to do this Mm. so by the second season you've got Academy Award winners yeah that you're in in it with like I'm watching you with uh, Mahersha Ali yeah and I'm like how's he feeling about this (laughs) Romney how's he is he really in it dude he's so gracious it was just like I, I I was yeah, there was that thing of, oh, shit, you know, yeah. he's the guy and yeah. he's showing up. But he's so curious and cool, and he had a ton of questions about the script, and he was like, am I doing he, – he'd go to me like, is that what you want? You know, yeah. so he's so gracious. Yeah. He's so – he's not trying to smoke you in the scene. He's actually he's, – he's kind of just so emotionally intelligent. He's reading the situation. He's saying, this is my role in it, and then how do I fit in with they you? They did great, yeah. He, and so it was really uh, – it was, yeah, just – it was a beautiful – thing yeah. to do it with him and that's another dude who was like it was an emotional project for him because he was like dude you know he used to have a longer screen name it was like Mahershala Shabazz something Ali yeah. like he, he has a longer name yeah. that, that is eluding me right now so but but it, it you know he told me you know he was on a show right and right after 9-11 they literally cut the number of episodes he was in yeah. like we're not like it's a weird time right now right you know so for him to go from that to you know playing you know, an imam at a mosque and being on a set where like, you know, we're like, oh, hey, we're going to, we'll be back in five. Like, we're going to pray. And, yeah. and, you know, that was a big thing for him. And so that was really cool to share that with him. How, he was like, I can't believe this is the arc of my, you know, career. It, how it, many, cool. uh, like, uh, like Arab Americans were on the set in general? Was that something you're aware of? Because like when yeah. I did the Reservation Dogs, like it's all native. It's yeah. almost all native and they couldn't be more excited. <laughs> yeah, it, a lot. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's an all, but like yeah. a lot of PAs, yeah. a lot of people in the writer's room, yeah. a lot of people in all parts Great. of production. Yeah. You know, I, th- I would say we're probably like half, half. And your family's good now with you? <laughs> uh, you know, this is, you know, the process of making, you know, the show, stand up, whatever, the best part of it is it's my family's only gotten closer. That's been what's really cool because I feel They've learned like, how to take the hit. W- well, it's funny because I think we spent so much of our lives like, you know, being in this place of like, what will people think? What will this? What will that? You know, and, and you kind of have this. And again, like early 2000s, I just remember the fear of, you know, my parents losing friends after 9-11, my mom feeling weird, and, and they totally became... You know, as I look back now, there were things that I think made them like socially reclusive on a level and they don't feel that way anymore. And so I think even stuff that we've done on the show, I think has been processing for all of us. And not that the show is is, is straight up our life. Again, like it's it's totally, you know, you know how it goes. It goes through a writer's room, yeah. it gets dramatized. But, but I think there's a couple of emotional truths there that like me getting to do that and then us having real deep conversations about it. I feel my parents... If I look at when I started doing comedy yeah. and, ma- and 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 then to now, like my parents went from being my parents to being my friends. Like we're friends now. Oh, that's good. Which is really cool. And you know how much like how how big was the writers' room? Were you generating all the basic stories, or because after a certain point, 
you know, I never know how that happens. You know, my writer's room was a, a bit sluggish and old and white. And, you know, which is a mistake in retrospect. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Nothing wrong with the old and white. Uh, yeah, it's just sluggish. It, it can't I, be sluggish. I think it's all the problem, actually, if that is <laughs> really, to be honest. But, uh... But where where were you generating stories from? Were they all because I saw some of them were, were in your stand up? Yes, I did, and I assume you didn't really fuck your cousin. Maybe you did. I did not. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but you've talked about having a hot cousin. Yes. So there were some things that were in the stand up, and you were sort of like, let's just play that out. The first season, so much of it's a stand up. Yeah. I mean, even like we have this, you know, flashback episode. Um, to like young my character when he's young and you know on on 9/11 and that was actually a movie idea that I had had and yeah. uh, and it was one of those okay like I've only got That was so great though the the talking to uh uh Osama that was a nightmare I used to have, you know, and so shooting that, you know, because that kitchen looks a lot like my kitchen. When we mm. shot that scene, I had chills all over my body because I, it was lit the way it used to look in my head. You know, I was like, there's always there's always this like bluish glow, like the TV's on and Osama's looking at me and he's hiding at my house. Yeah. You know, because he thinks we're friends. Yeah. And I have to tell him we're not. You know, that would be the nightmare <laughs> I would have. And so I, I, I was like, oh, this would be an interesting thing to see in a movie because yeah. no one's talked about how much this impacted, you know, just being a kid. But then we're doing a scene. Season and I'm like, this is my only shot. I'm throwing everything I've ever thought of is yeah, going into this. Right. So the first season was very much like, these are all the ideas I've been sitting on for years, whether I thought it was stand-up or a movie or whatever. It's all going in because I'm not, you know I mean? I don't know if I'm going to get another swing at yeah, this. Like, not? you know, like, yeah, fuck sure. it. Yeah. And then I'll just force myself to think of better ideas and, you know, whatever, right. we'll get a room going. So every year it kind of, I think has- That a, kid was great though. Oh, he was amazing. Yeah. He was amazing. That kid was great. He had a look. He's just amazing, dude. He was a genius. And he, he 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 came up to me and he was like, Hey, I noticed you do this a lot. Like he he like picked up a tick I did. Yeah, he was yeah. like, I'm gonna do that. And I was like, Whoa. You know, he was really yeah. he's, he's a little he's, shallow you know, naked. Yeah, he's got yeah. that thing. Yeah. You know? Um but yeah, as uh, every season we kind of uh, the writers always come out, see my hour, you know, and, and then we'll just kind of pull yeah, yeah. stuff from that and then bring it in, you know. And I've I've I'm about to shoot my second special now, but I've since I put out my first special, I've cycled through like two and a half, three hours of material because yeah. I kind of felt like I just felt like I wanted, you know, it's a long time ago already. It was, it? yeah, I shot that special 2019, so it's, yeah, it's like four years, but I guess, not you know, that long, yeah. it's not that long, but I, I, um, I'm, yeah, I'm really happy with that special, but also I was like, oh, I, I want the next one to, I want to work. Yeah, I just want to work through way more material before I shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. And like so, like what? You're trying to push buttons again? Well, I mean, always. I mean, you know, like the 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 getting near the button you're not supposed to touch is just like well, my it, yeah. <laughs> it, but it felt like that was um, that was a, an experience for. It almost felt like you were witnessing like um, an experience for the Muslim community. Mm, yeah. To have yeah, and and people who were tolerant and interested yeah. could hang out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean that's that's a great way to put it, and I, I almost, in a way, feel the same about the show. Like, yeah, I'm oh, not, for sure. Yeah. It's never like, hey, here, let me explain things to people who don't know. It's like, oh no, these are conversations I want to have from like within the community. Yeah, you know, uh, that's why the, the anytime the the only insult that ever hurts me is when people are like, oh, you're just doing this for you know people who aren't us. Like, you're just trying to exp you know you're just trying to make like white people laugh. You're just trying to make America laugh or whatever. And I'm like. Bro, no, no, this is not, this is about our conversations that I think I could contribute something to. Yeah. 
imperfectly not perfect. That's the only critique that ever like used to get under my skin where I'd just be like, ugh. I don't think it feels that way at all. I mean, I, I, I think that's just a, a, a slight, you know, from people who would rather keep it to themselves. What, what insult has gotten under your skin the most? Uh, in my life? Doing comedy. <laughs> Doing comedy? Or it could be your life. Oh, years ago, when I was starting out in Boston, I was very much angry and very aggressive in my approach. Mm. And I got off stage, and a guy who was like a publicist or had something to do with the local scene in Boston, you know, a guy, he comes up to me and he just goes, why comedy? <laughs> <laughs> and I really, I, I didn't know how to answer him really <laughs> at that time. Um <laughs> I think, like, you know, oddly, you know, the misuse of the word hack yeah. bugs the fuck out of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all these, you know, you know, bros and dumb shits call everything hack. And it's yeah, like, yeah. no, you guys are the hacks. You're the hacks. He's like, what is, you know, that drives me Well, nuts. when I, I hated open mics. Like, I, I really tried to avoid them because I was, you know, you'd go and uh, and it would just be these strange jokes that, didn't i was like this will never play in front of real humans like this is you everyone in here is so desensitized to yeah. the comedy you're all trying to make each other laugh yeah but it's like this joke doesn't it, it would never work with a general yeah. population well, yeah, because it's got it's like based on what i mean i you know we all have to deal with that to a certain degree as comics and what we draw from because our lives are pretty small in a way yes do you know what i mean i mean yes. we're like i you know what am, what am i doing over here at least you got a wife you got kids yet no yeah want to well i've had wives but i mean I have no kids, but like it gets to a point. It's like, what are you going to talk about? Yeah. And if your life is small and you're going to talk about yourself, you know, I, I've been making a joke about it in my stand up right now that my next special is going to be called uh, Mark Marin Unrelatable. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm working towards. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I guess like, so these stories though, as you generate, like, how did. Because it's weird you talk about shame and you talk about sex and we were talking about threesomes earlier, but given the nature of your disposition, there's no submissive submissive stuff in there. You know, there's no you know episode where you get tied up by a chick. <laughs> the only time it happens is in this weird-ass moment with the Israeli diamond dealer <laughs> when you're having a hard time getting it up or your character. That's the thing. Most people would be at this point would be like, you mean my character? You named him you. <laughs> This is you. I know. Just so mistake. But <laughs> but uh, but that scene was crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that was like a, a sexually charged, weird kind of. You know, this is um, this is the new sort of hard Rami <laughs> on two levels, I guess. But that's the one you get. That's the one you're putting up for consideration, right? Uh, it's, yeah, I think it's one of them. Yeah, yeah. There's that second episode yeah. where you first go to Israel. Yeah. And you shot there. Yeah, we did the whole season, most of it. No, 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 just um, just that episode. Um, and it was, you know, we 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 it was great. It was a great experience because it was like things were hot there, right? When you were there, was it wasn't it crazy? It's always crazy, but, it, I mean, but no, it was particularly yeah. I yeah. mean, it was it was so the part that was great was working with this Palestinian crew there. Yeah, who they read the script and they were just they they said really like they're not gonna make you edit stuff out like you're we're going to be able to shoot this. You're going to be able to say this stuff on American TV. They couldn't believe that this is something that could air. And I said, no, yeah, they're, the network is 
they're paying for it. Like we can yeah. do this, you know, we can, yeah. and, and they were really, you know, yeah, they were really kind of so proud they probably to be part of it. informed the thing a lot, right? They were Big time. making choices. Big where... time. Yeah. And the director, you know, this happened too when we went to Egypt. I, every time I go somewhere, there's a good script, I would say, because it got us there. Yeah. But then we show up and it's almost the opposite of, in, you know, in America, you know, I'll be shooting something and it's like, okay, this is the vision of the thing. Yeah. If you're a writer on set, you could say something, you know, but, you know, we're plowing ahead. Egypt, the guy who, you know, is handing out tea between takes would be like, hey, man, you, you know what you really should say? Don't say that. Say this. Yeah. And I'll take the note, you know, yeah. because it's like, this is there. Like, you know, he's like, what would happen is this thing. And you go, oh, okay, okay, okay. Like for we're going to do that. For and the cousin th- stuff? For your male cousin? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like literally any of the actors there, fucking craft service, yeah. whoever, yeah. the boom guy, anyone can say anything to me. And if it feels sound, I'm going to throw it in. Sure. And that was the experience there with Palestine crew. They'd be like, she would say this, this would happen like this, that would go like that. And then we just, yeah, of course, like right. best idea wins, you know, yeah. that, like how do we not well, do that, that was, while we're here? You know? you know, I've been there twice in my life years ago. I'm, I, I find it uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, but it's certainly, uh, I think in a lot of ways, certainly for Arabs, a lot more uncomfortable than it was when I was a kid. There was not a, a gate. There yeah. was not, you know, East Jerusalem was not cut off. There wasn't, yeah, an, an occupation. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and I think like, you know, while we were there, uh, yeah, I mean, look, a, a, a horrific human event happened. This, this journalist, Shreen Abakla was right. killed. Right. Her murder is still like, it was clearly a murder, you know, done by the IDF and it just kind of went away, you know, and it's, and it's, it was something that people on our crew had worked with her. And, and I think the thing that really was so emotional was seeing them have to process the regularity of how these things happen, where it was almost like this thing happens, they're super emotional. And then they're just like, all right, we got to just, we got to keep rolling. You know, yeah. it's the kind of thing that here you'd be like, we got to stop. And there they're like, well, if we stopped every time something like this happened, we'd never do anything, you know? And so just seeing that was, uh, you know, it was, it was, yeah, it's everything. It's heartbreaking. It's inspiring. It's, it just makes you, you know, yeah, it makes you realize just how different life is, you know? And I think part of what was, you know, really great about exploring that episode for me was stepping into the American perspective in a way. Yeah, this weird entitled guy. Exactly. Where like, you know, that it it is that moment where it's sort of like, how am I not getting special treatment? And then something happens to make you realize like, oh shit, I, you know, my life could be at risk. Yes. Yes. And, 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 and fuck, look how entitled I am. And, and to me it was like, again, about like that inner dialogue of just like, you know, my own feeling of guilt as, an American Muslim, but actually American first, right? Because it's like, I grew up here and there are all these things that people go through right. who aren't here. And 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 so you just always feel that, oh man, like I should be thinking about that more. What could I do? And you feel this like helplessness. Well, what's funny in talking to you though, is that you are not really the character because the character has to be this type of doofus uh, who, who doesn't have the self-awareness yeah. all the time uh, to, to know how entitled and selfish he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You know, but it's not really you. You had to turn something off. Yes. To sort of keep that guy going. That's what makes it a comedy for me, right? Yeah. Like, I think like if you if your character is is genuinely able to reconcile what's wrong with them, yeah. it kind of stops being a comedy. Like I think the comedy is like m- most comedies that I really love, the character will do anything but fix themselves. Right, but yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, but so, your attempts are funny because it's never Never practical. It's always religious. Yes. 
right? You're never, you know, you're not going to listen to your friends. You're not going to take any practical advice. You're not going to stop fucking, <laughs> you're not going to stop jerking off. But when you do, you know, get filled up with some sort of shame, you turn to the idea of, of religion, yeah. which becomes ridiculous fairly quickly. <laughs> Well, the way he does it. Yeah. And I think like, you know, a big part of the character is that idea of spiritual bypassing, which is like, you're going to put all these real tangible things you could do and just focus on, you know, the spiritual ideas. And I think spiritual ideas are very real, but you have to marry them with real action. And so a lot of people put all their bucket, like everything into that bucket of, okay, God help me, but then they don't want to fix anything that they're doing. And it's like, no, no, you yeah, believe in God. And I do believe in God. And, you know, there's a lot of tangible stuff you need to be doing, you know, with the spiritual stuff, you know, and I think that's what, you know, the character never figures out. That's yeah. something that I think in my real life, you know, yeah, I think I would be, I, I would probably, you know, even talking about poor and talking about just, you know, the, the environment that I feel like I grew up in. I don't yeah. know that I would feel actually like a healthy person if I didn't have faith, like it, it sure. is a huge part. You well, know, I, but you I know. think you're countered in, in the series by, you know, functioning, you know, grown up men, yeah. you know, in your friends and Mo and the doctor yeah. who, you know, who have reconciled their faith with their life yes, and, and have a certain amount of, uh, a, a code, mature, you know, code, but mature responsibility. They, they're yeah. responsible men. They're serious dudes. Yeah, he's he's not. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you don't know if it's going to, who's going to get him and smack him upside the head. So I don't know what's going to happen in the rest of this third season. So is this it? Is it for the show? Yeah. Um, It might be for now. Mm -hmm. I, I We're kind of trying to figure it out. I mean, I think like it's a show that even when we started making it, I think after the first season, I realized what it took to make a season of yeah. TV. Yeah. And how much it takes out of you, and and I could. So it's just, it's it's consume all consuming. It's all consuming. You don't it's, you can't do anything else for a whole year it's plus. It's a whole calendar year plus. Um, there's no off time because you're always thinking about it, and then you're editing it, and then you're writing it, and then you're shooting it, and then you're oh. marketing it, and then you're back at doing it because you have to, and you know otherwise you know too much time will go by. All that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I remember the first season ended and I kind of like really took that internal look and I was like, how many more can I do with this? Yeah. And I was like, I think I could do three or four seasons. Right. That's enough. But then I said, I would want to put it down and then, you know, at some point bring it back, you know, in a sense where it's like, what does this guy look like later? You know, there's never going to be a time where watching a family trying to balance, you know, the temporal and the spiritual isn't like a valid conversation to yeah. have. And I was always like, oh, we could put this thing down for four or five years and come back and he's like a full-fledged dad, you know, sure. and 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 what does that story look like? Yeah. You know, obviously inspired by like, you know, Larry will take off years and then come back. And, you know, there's all these shows come, like a lot of shows take yeah, time Yeah, but you know what, back, dude? But, you know, I, I, after a certain point, like who wants them? Who you, wants? Who wants, who cares anymore? I mean, look, Larry David, he has his formula. It's always been his formula. Sure. So it's like he just keeps doing it and people like it. It's almost kind of like a, you know, it's a standard. It's, sure. like, a, it's like a slice of pizza that yeah. you love. It, it doesn't change. Right. But for me, what it would be, it would be like, and it's been every season. And it's why we play with the character. We play with tone. We play with all that. It would be, can I contribute something new? Is there something right. pressing new that I could do with the show? Right. And so my... And, and, and that's different than just doing it because you can Than doing it because you can. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's where even like with doing a fourth, like that's where we've been at too, where we're like, okay, is this the timing to contribute something new? Would we kind of shift off? That's kind of what I'm in the middle of trying to figure out. So, but answer my question as I have to finish this season, does he change? 
I I think that he gets stripped down and, and in a way that he hasn't before and realizes like what he's been running from. I don't we don't see the change, mm. but we see I think the inflection point of something that could be real faith. Again, that that that's okay. that's like like for oh, the first faith. time, right. like real faith. Not right. like it's not just like you know I I I think that's where we we leave the season where it's like he has this probably in the first time in the whole series he has this moment of real faith that's not performance that isn't just you know perception or him thinking doing what he thinks he should do he has this like genuine moment that 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 i yeah was actually is actually my favorite scene of the whole show oh great well good i'm looking forward to it good talking <laughs> to you man dude yeah thanks for having me there you go that was fun uh, all three seasons of Rami are on Hulu. Season three is eligible for the Emmys in all categories. And you can watch Mo on Netflix. Are we making Emmy announcements? Hey, my uh, my comedy special from Bleak to Dark is uh, eligible for for uh, for the Emmys in whatever category it's in. I don't know. But it's eligible. All right, hang out for a minute. Hey, look, I'm sure you take a lot of vitamins. Maybe you take a daily multivitamin. Maybe you take ones to boost your immunity or ones to help with alertness. What about your cells? Are you giving your cells the full nutrition they need, especially as we age? I am, thanks to Solgar. Solgar is part of my daily routine, thanks to their cellular nutrition line. Give yourself a daily collection of nutrients designed to help fight cellular decline and promote cell health. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more and use promo code MarkMarin, all one word, to get 20% off. People, don't forget, we've got another Ask Mark Anything episode coming up. So now's your chance. If there's anything you want to ask me, go for it and I'll give you whatever I can. You can submit a question in the episode description by clicking the link and then I'll give you my answers on the episode like this. Who is your biggest celebrity crush uh, right now? <sighs> Fuck. For years, it was Anne Hathaway, and that really hasn't gone away, to be honest with you. Um, I also, Mandy Moore had a profound impact on me. Uh, I, I don't know if, I, I, I kind of crushy, but, you know, Anne Hathaway still, you know, still Anne Hathaway. Is that Okay. Again, just go to the episode description and click on the link to ask me anything. And if you're not a Full Marin subscriber, you can also click the link to sign up for WTF+. That's how you can hear all the bonus episodes and get all WTF episodes ad-free. You can also go to WTFPod.com and click on WTF+. I've got to get rid of all this hair on my head, on my face. I'm going to go finish shooting that thing in Canada. Uh, this weekend, and and then I will trim it back. Here's uh, some sort of, I guess, kind of a Skip James thing.
Boomer lives. Monkey and La Fonda. Cat angels everywhere. <laughs>